Welcome to the Transform Sales Podcast, where forward-thinking business leaders come to share their experiences and ideas, learn from each other, and amplify their results together. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the Transform Sales Podcast. Today I am joined by Scott McNabb, CRO of Exponia. How you doing, Scott? Welcome to the show. I'm, I'm great, Tony. Thanks for having me. I'm honored to be on the show today and look forward to spending some time with you. Likewise, likewise. Thanks for joining us. Um, question for you. Tell us a little bit. Could you tell us a little bit about Exponia? Uh, who do you serve? What markets do you play in? And how are you making life better for that marketplace? Absolutely. So, Tony, we are a, uh, a global provider of SaaS-based or software-as-a-service-based uh, e-commerce and marketing software. It's called CDP is the category that we serve. We market generally our software to companies um, in the retail space. We do have uh, telecom and banking customers as well, but retail space brand names that you would have heard of like Victoria's Secret and uh, uh, Agent Provocateur and uh, Arcadia. So global provider. Um, significant companies and also smaller companies like Moxie Lash that sells magnetic lashes. So anything uh -huh. online that the marketer is trying to engage with a guy named Tony and have a different conversation with them to drive more CLTV, customer lifetime value, and to reduce their CAC, CAC, their customer acquisition costs. Nice. And so it's worth it's worth noting. I'll see here that um, Exponia is actually ranked as the number one customer data platform on G2 Crowd for 2020. So you guys must not only be doing it well, but you're doing it one of the best out there doing it. Congratulations and kudos to you and Exponia. Uh, let's go ahead and pivot then into our into our program. Now we know a little bit more about uh, what you guys are doing over there for your, your, your marketplace. What is the number one challenge that you dealt with last year as it pertains to hitting your revenue goals? Um, a little something you may have heard of called a global pandemic uh, was mm -hmm. the biggest challenge that we face uh, in that, you know, if you think about it, if a significant portion of our pipeline and our customer base are in the business of, you know, big ticket retail stores and e-commerce, uh, you know, the biggest challenge for us as the pandemic came alive and became real uh, is helping our customers to, uh, as we will talk about in a minute, you know, sort of determine if they're going to survive, dive, or thrive in this little journey and support them, guide them, coach them, uh, and provide them a platform whereby they could pivot away from retail store uh, as their predominant revenue stream to now, I mean, taking it all online. Awesome. Well, let's go. Let's get into it then. Yeah. So look, I'll, I'll tell you a story that goes back to my last business trip that I ever took in the last year, which was February of last year. And okay. I was one of the keynote speakers for a marketing related conference in Vegas. And I was the breakfast keynote speaker. And I noticed that there was about half the crowd that I was expecting to be in the room for breakfast. And I asked people, hey, I'm just wondering, where, where are all the people that are supposed to be at this meeting? And they said, oh, there's this thing going on. It's called COVID. I don't know if you've heard about it, but they're sending us all home. And, you know, they're, they're literally canceling corporate travel. And I was like, ah, it'll be fine. You know, the standard narrative in February was it's just going to be a cold. And right. so I got back on a plane and that was my last flight in the last year 
was from Vegas back home. And on my way back home, Tony, I, I started thinking to myself, if this thing becomes a thing, and remember, my company, Exponia, sells technology that is used by largely B2C marketers. And mm-hmm. so my first thought in that little journey was that, holy cow, this thing's about to get weird. How do we pivot our selling motion to engage the buyer? Because nobody's going to buy, and this is where I was way wrong, by the way, nobody's mm-hmm. going to buy technology in the face of a global pandemic. It will freeze them all in state. They will all completely be paralyzed. And who's going to buy CRM, SCM, HCM, any of the M's? Who's going to buy any of these technologies, including CDP, which is what my platform does, is automate the marketer's ability to engage with a buyer like you, Tony, and Mm -hmm. drive revenue from that engagement. Got it. So you guys, so you actually had a perceived challenge of demand. You had a perceived demand challenge that you said, hey, people aren't going to have as much demand. Our customer base won't have as high a demand in light of a global pandemic, which could affect us hitting our revenue goals. A thousand percent. Now, the reason why the Air Force story comes into play is in the Mm -hmm. Air Force, uh, during my time in the Air Force in the 80s, and I'm a little older than you are, I got pants almost that are older than you are. Um, (laughs) And during the 80s, when I was in the military, I got Uh sent to a place in Alabama called Montgomery, Alabama, and they sent me there as a leader, as an executive, in the, as an officer in the Air Force. They sent me there to teach me basically 45 days in Montgomery, Alabama in the summer, which is the worst time to be in Montgomery, Alabama, hot, sticky, et cetera. I was single at the time, and they Uh sent me there for 45 days to learn to be a leader in the case of a global holocaust biochemical nuclear war basically and day one of the training i walked in and it was a textbook that was literally three ring binder that thick and Mm -hmm. the goal was to teach managers and leaders and uh and uh, officers in the in the air force how to manage resources in the world around you in the face of something horrific nuclear Mm -hmm. war chemical war biological war And I remember Mm -hmm. thinking for 45 days, why in the hell am I going through this? This is never going to happen. There's never going to be a global nuclear war. There's never going to be a global thing. And Mm -hmm. weirdly enough, guess what? All the training that I went through was the most relevant thing I could have (laughs) possibly learned. And at the time, I thought, I'm a single guy in Montgomery, Alabama in the middle of summer. There's no girls here. Why did I go through this? Well, guess what? I am the most uniquely trained sales leader for this Mm -hmm. problem of a global pandemic because of what I learned in the military. And it directly applies to resource management and getting people to a place where they can be fed, to making sure that they've got the tools to fight a war, to making sure that every, you know, resource and, 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 uh, asset that is available to us is marshaled into the combat zone so that we can survive and fight right in in a horrible horrible situation well guess what it worked out perfectly for me because my first reaction was on the way back home from vegas holy cow i need to call my ceo and tell him to get ready to fire about half of our company or furlough them Um, Mm -hmm. we're going to need to cut our revenue estimations 
by 75%. We're going to need to figure out a way to change the way we engage with buyers. And I don't know what that looks like. And then when I got home that weekend, I don't know why, but it was sitting on my shelf up on the top shelf was this book that I whipped out and started going through. And I was like, wait a minute, we just need to pivot. We just need to change the way we approach this challenge and not Mm -hmm. throw in the towel. And so instead of just saying, I give up, we created that following week, a model whereby we looked at all of our customers on a macroeconomic climate basis and figured out or tried to apply a model whereby we applied a dive, survive and thrive model. No, that makes sense. That almost sounds like it's kind of weird when we think about driving transformation instead of thinking about our products being so product centric, but more about that outcome that people are going for, then it allows us to go that route that you're talking about, right? Get more focused on talking about the outcome and maybe that journey to get there. That technology becomes a vehicle to enable. Totally that. right. That's exactly right. We even pivoted our sales, our seven step sales process, stage one through stage seven. All of our vernaculars in those stages, Tony, were all about where we thought we were in the deal, right? Sales Mm -hmm. driven approach. We think Mm -hmm. we're in an RFP stage. We think that we're in this stage. And we pivoted to, if I called the customer and asked them where they thought they were in the journey, what would Mm -hmm. they say? So we completely refaced our selling methodology to be a buyer centric approach instead instead of a seller centric approach. And then we we embrace the notion that buyer behavior has fundamentally shifted and that we also believe that this is not only a fundamental shift, but a permanent one. So we changed our selling methodology. We pivoted to all outcomes. What happens if nothing happens? How much longer are you willing to let blood spurt out of your arm before Mm -hmm. you put a tourniquet on it? And not, we want to buy this by such and such a date, well, why? What happens if it's if we go past March 31st? Well, I guess it'll be April 1st, won't it? You get what I'm saying? Yep. So yep. we really dug in on the why. The why. I don't know if that helps. Simon Sinek always starts with why. Always start with always why. Always start with why. It also sounds like, and this has come up sometimes, it's like you all took a, a uh, Steve Jobs returns to Apple 1987 approach here, getting away from widgets, gigabytes, and all these things, these features and stuff and just honed in on what is the customer experience, what, where, what is the journey that they're on, what do they need in their terms, in their language, and then how do we facilitate that? Yeah, exactly so right. And so really pivoting that conversation, and then we also taught the sellers to really dig in on, we believe that buyers mm-hmm. buy things first and foremost based on how it affects them personally first, then their department, and a distant third is their company goal. And so really focusing the reps on trying to figure out the personal win of the buyer when we wouldn't have cared before, or we didn't care as much before, really accelerating, accelerated our selling process. When I joined the company 19 months ago or 18 months ago, our average deal cycle was 280 days. Now we've gotten it down to 113 days. And we've increased our average order value by about 55K per year in SaaS contract. And just by focusing on the outcome, 
What is the yep. business metric that, that matters to your business that you need to change? And more importantly, Tony, how much longer are you willing to put up with the way, look, at the end of the day, you either need to start doing something that you've always wanted to do and or stop doing something that is driving you insane. And mm -hmm. what is the possible business outcome of one or two of those changes? Make sense? Yeah, you know, I have to ask you here, is there kind of a epiphany, right, that happened for you in this case? Because what we're talking about is stuff that you hear out there, but we also could say isn't often practice, right? So let's get specific. You had this during this time, ah, let's go ahead and be more buyer centric in the way we operate. Before that, you guys were probably were obviously operating a little less buyer centric. We've seen these and heard these messages around over and over again. And there are countless companies that claim to be customer centric. When you think about just how you all executed on this now versus any time you had heard this information before and thought about these things before, these ideas, what made the difference? What kind of? Yeah, so look, it's one thing, I'm with you, a thousand percent, spot on. It's one thing to describe new deal stages that are customer centric. It's another thing to understand the selling motion, the things that need to happen at each stage that would signal that in the, in the aviation world, we have a thing called situational awareness, which is something that pilots learn during flight training, which is basically a three-dimensional perspective where you see in the battle, in the battle landscape, how far am I away from my wingman? How far am I away from the fuel, the tanker? How far am I away from the enemy? Where is the closest line, you know, safe line versus enemy territory? And three-dimensionally be able to understand the engagement based upon all of these metaphors, right? So we took mm -hmm. all the deal stages and we laid them out and said, pattern recognition wise, what are the things that need to happen in that deal stage that would signal situationally aware, uh, from a situational awareness perspective that you're in the right stage? And when a deal mm -hmm. stalls in stage, you've probably run over the things that you were supposed to check off and learn in the previous stage. So go backwards a step and finish all the motion before you go to the next step. So that was a real practical application. And then we started weaving into those stages, the things that would resonate with the buyer as a person, right? Mm -hmm. Do we understand their personal win? Put that in the deal stage, right? Do we understand what happens if nothing happens? Put that in the deal stage. What happens if nothing happens? How much longer are you willing to put up with things the way that they are today? So it's one thing to call it a buyer-centric approach. It's another thing to highlight from a pattern recognition, what are the things that you need to get through to get the deal to the next stage so that you can better manage the, the experience? Look, I, I the SBI guys say that there's, if you think about a funnel, there's only about two, 100 to 200 touch points that one sales rep can have going at any given time. And from that 100 to 200 content or companies, you can only get that down to about 30 relevant conversations with a live human named Tony, who you know something about Tony. And from that, in a quarter, you can only get down to about 10 live active commercial conversations and within a quarter, you can only find seven deals that are qualified, and the average rep can only close four deals in a quarter. 
Now, hmm. that's just a productivity problem. It's not that right. we don't want them closing 20 deals if they can, but there's only right. so many hours in the day. And so right. this methodology gave us a way to whittle down those that are interested tire kickers to, you know, qualification of the right deals. And if the rep can close four to six deals in a quarter, that's magic, right? Depending mm -hmm. on the average order value, higher mm -hmm. velocity, obviously higher volume, but right. But that's the way that we structured it. So we even started looking at the velocity and in stage, right? The speed at which we move through stages Yep. and put a, a practical measure on that. Um, there's a, a sales velocity methodology, a little formula that you can sort of build uh, to understand velocity as a metric. What, what, you're, what you're describing there reminds me a lot of that SaaS sales framework uh, or uh, yeah, SaaS sales framework from uh, like winning by design. There's a few, few things you put out there as, as far yeah, as that goes, right? I, I, to that I took some of this from that. Okay. And then okay. we built a lot of our methodology, um, uh, Tony, on um, if you think about it, the challenger customer model, which describes yep. the 6.8 humans involved in the purchase of anything. And that works in our world as well, especially at the enterprise. Uh, mm -hmm. And then I'm actually a certified Sandler instructor. So I do believe in the Sandler notion of, of selling to pain it yep. is, is the only way to, and especially for marketers, because yes. in the world of selling to marketers, what they don't want to do is buy tech. Mm -hmm. What they do right. want to do is look up and to the right and imagine a world where having this could fundamentally and radically alter their, their world, right? Their ability to 100%. engage with their buyers, right? <clears throat> So that's my, that's my background is, is all that. I love it. I love it. Especially when you get down to the fact that, you know, when you buy new tech, you're also, when you buy anything new, you're also buying some new problems, right? Because there's normally a transition. You have to break old habits. You got to learn some new ones. You may have to learn some new skills in order to get the outcomes you want. So yeah, that's a very personal decision that's being made every time that sometimes we can overlook when we're trying to push our goods on people, right? There is a story to be told here, and I will yeah. tell you that, uh, you know, we also got a lot better, Tony, at managing what we call a joint execution plan, which yeah. is really not a closed plan. It's a joint document that we agree to with our buyer that goes mm -hmm. backwards from the day that we're supposed to sign the contract all the yeah. way to today and then keeps track of here's all the things, Mr. Customer, that I owe you and that I've delivered red, yellow, green. Here's all the things that you promised me and when yep. they're going to deliver all the way down to the day that we consummate the, the transaction. Here's all the things and our sourcing contacts during this pandemic loved it because we were easier to buy from because we helped the sourcing guy organize person, organize in their mind. These yep. guys are morons and these guys have their act together I'm going to put their contract to the top of my stack because they're guiding me through the purchasing process. Ooh, I like that joint execution plan. Yes, That's sir. One, and we normally call that, I guess, you know, the spirit of that supposed to be captured in a uh, sales level agreement or the, the SLA, a lot of times service level agreement, rather, sorry, the service level agreement. <laughs> yeah. um, but, you know, we often find that it just somehow just ends up being a document that's passed across and not, guided not, it has not to serve, be a living document a yeah, yeah it has like to be we put about. it in google cloud where the customer can make edits themselves 
and mm. they own it and it's now something they're bought into and we found that it speeded up our our deal cycles by in some cases 20 30 days because they just saw us as being more organized um mm. really had a profound impact look close is the wrong word always we're opening a conversation we're opening a relationship you send a document to a, all those closed plans are sales rep led. It's mm -hmm. where I think I am in the deal. It's not where the customer thinks that they are. Why don't we bring them into the conversation and make them a part of the journey and, and let them have some ownership? That's a game changer. This is a game changing conversation. I think I'm going to go into our CRM and start changing our deal stages after this call. Seriously, this is good stuff. I'll send you a stuff. picture, Tony, and it'll give you a starting place that I've developed over 20 years. Uh, this is the third company that I've been a part of that we made this transition, and it is truly a game changer. Scott, thanks for sharing. As we wrap up, is there one piece of advice that you would like to give sales leaders out there today? Uh, that may be dealing with similar challenges as yourself, as what you dealt with. Look, only thing I can tell you is what has saved my life in a global pandemic is pivoting to outcomes. It is not about the tech. It is not about what you're pushing or how cool you are, how cool your product is. You've got to get the reps to focus on outcomes. Pick three, rule of three, pick three things that, that the customer believes is an outcome that could fundamentally and radically alter their life using the thing that you sell, whatever that thing is. If you can't find an outcome, move on. Awesome. Sage advice. Thank you, Scott, for joining us on the show today. And we look forward to talking again. I look forward to being in touch with you. You mind if I add you on LinkedIn? I would be honored. Anything I can do to help anybody, I'm on, uh, I'm on LinkedIn and uh, just find me.